Well, it's great to see you today, and uh, our servers are going to collect the offering now, and, uh, and we just appreciate your guys' generosity, and as they're doing that, I've got a couple of great things that I want to let you know about. One thing is we always love to celebrate when people are making big steps for the Lord, and this past week we had uh, three people that took a big, giant step. Number one was uh, Jerry Scott, who was baptized uh, just the other day, and so we want to celebrate with Jerry. He's pretty awesome. Also, James Corner. Got a picture of James there. And last but certainly not least was Gloria West. So we're just so excited for those guys. It's awesome stuff. Now, last week, if you were here, we, uh, we, we had our, our Thanksgiving Sunday service. And we've been talking for a few weeks leading up to that, that we, we always take up a big offering on Thanksgiving uh, that's designated for some area and so this past, this past Thanksgiving, we said we, we really need to do some renovations to our student ministry area, and so we'd set a kind of a goal, a target for that of $10,000, and to be truthfully honest with you, uh, we needed more than that, um, but I, I, you know, as we talked about it, I thought, you know, inflation's been a killer, um, people are struggling everywhere, we need to try to scale that back as much as we possibly can, and so let's make it more of a realistic number, so that's how we landed it. $10,000, and we were kind of hoping we would hit it. Well, uh, the, the numbers have come in, and we raised $17,618. So, there it is again, me of, me of little faith, uh, <laughs> but uh, we just are so grateful to you guys for your generosity and looking so forward to see how God is going to just bless that. And uh, it's, just, it's just awesome. But I, I tell you, I can't believe that it's the Christmas season already. I hope you guys had a great Thanksgiving. Ours was a little muted this year. I'm, uh, I, I'm recovering from a cold myself, so if I cough, you have to excuse me. But uh, I hope that you're doing okay and have had a good, uh, have had a good season. But I, I, I hope that you will take some time over the next couple of weeks to really slow it down and, and focus on the simple things and focus on the the true things that our soul needs. Uh, the biggest way that I, I believe we add stress to our lives all the time, but certainly this time of the year, is by trying to add more and more and more. And we're always trying to, we're searching for something and you know, trying, to, trying to figure out, you know, what do I need? What does this person need? What, what's going to be the best thing to, to buy and surround myself with? heard a story about a, um, a lady that went to a pet shop and uh, she wanted to buy a parrot. She's kind of lonely, and so she wanted a, a parrot that she could talk to and would talk back to her. And so she, she goes and she buys this parrot. She brings it home. And the next day, she goes back to the, uh, to the pet shop. And she talks to the owner. She says, I don't understand. This parrot won't talk to me. And so the, the owner says, well, that's, that's kind of strange. But maybe, maybe you need to buy a ladder. For the parrot. Sometimes parrots like to climb and maybe he's unhappy. So if you buy him a ladder, uh, that'll probably help out. So she says, okay. She buys the ladder, takes it home. Next day, she goes back to the, to the pet store and talks to the owner again. She says, listen, I bought the ladder and the parrot still won't talk to me. And he says, man, that's a, that's a head scratcher. Maybe if you bought a swing for it. Parrots kind of like to swing. So why don't you buy a swing? Maybe that'll help him help him feel comfortable enough to talk to you. So she buys the swing, takes it home, sets it up. And the next day she comes back to the, to the pet shop again. She says, I bought the ladder and I bought the swing. The parrot still won't talk to me. 
And he said, ah, I just don't understand. Well, maybe you need to get a big mirror because sometimes parrots like to see themselves. So if you get this big mirror, that might help. So she buys the mirror, takes it home, and uh, sets up the mirror. So she's got the, she's got the parrot, she's got the ladder, she's got the swing, she's got the mirror. And the next day, she goes back to the pet shop. She says, the parrot died. He says, oh, my goodness, that's terrible. I can't believe that. Did he say anything to you before he died? She said, yeah. He said, don't they sell food there? I'm hungry. You guys okay out there? You, you like that joke? I know a lot of people who have a lot of stuff, and we're all trying to get more stuff, more stuff than we need. But what we really, what we really need more than ever is just the simple, true food for our souls. We are uh, entering into a time of Advent. I know some people have, have uh, you know, maybe you get Advent calendars or Advent wreath. Some people do. A lot of people are not familiar with it. Uh, I've got one that uh, I wanted to, to use the next few weeks. And I, I, kinda, I love the idea of the Advent, you know, the, the wreath. For a lot of people, that means that, the, you know, the greenery is a reminder that death comes from life. And the circle reminds us that God's love never comes to an end for us. And the three purple candles represent God's royalty. The pink candle represents joy. Uh, but the word Advent, it just means arrival. And, and it's the season right before Christmas where we are anticipating the arrival of Jesus and we focus on the Christmas story. And every year for thousands of years, followers of Jesus have been lighting candles for the four Sundays leading up to Christmas. And these candles represent the four themes in the Bible, hope, peace, love, and joy that, that came with the long-awaited Messiah. And today we're going to talk about hope. That's really what this season is all about. Uh, and we're taking the time to slow down and remember that the light of God came into our world and changed us forever. In John 8, verse 12, God's word says that Jesus spoke to the people once more. And he said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. And that's really what we celebrate at Christmas and, and every day because we know that, that God sent Jesus into our world as a light to shine into those dark places. He sent him into our lives, and that has made all the difference for us. You know, probably the biggest criticism that we get as Christians, and it makes a lot of sense. I mean, it really does. I can understand why people would say this or why they would feel this way. They'll say, how can you... Trust in a God that allows tragedy. How can you trust in the God that allows bad things? And it's a valid question. It's interesting. What we do as Christians, when, when bad things happen, we turn to God who we know could have stopped that thing from happening in the first place. Some people look at that and they say, we're crazy. Many who have gone through that experience of having something terrible crash into your life, you know the feeling of trying to hold on to hope through that. And for some of us, the aftermath of that takes a long time for our faith to recover. Just trying to survive, trying to hold on. That's okay. I, I have learned that there is a, a big difference a huge difference between questioning God and asking God a question. 
a lot of times in my life that I have asked God questions. Why would you allow this? Help me make sense of that. These things don't work together for me. I, I need help. And when we approach Jesus, we find this, what we find is this giant interruption in our lives. That's really what Christmas is about. You think about I me, mean, we talk about the wonderful feelings and the, the lights and, the, and, and you know, all the happy, happy stuff that we feel. But Jesus came into our world. It's, it's, it's a huge interruption. And he says, I'm the light of the world. And if you will follow me, then you won't have to walk in darkness anymore. You'll have clarity. You will have peace. Uh, you will experience contentment and joy. And you will find you will find purpose that outweighs the moment. And all this is rooted in hope. Now, what, is, what is hope? You know, there's, there's a couple of ways to think about it. One way is you think about hope as a period of waiting. Uh, it's hoping for something that you have to wait for. Like, I hope I get what I want for Christmas. You know, that's, that's one idea. I hope that my mom makes those cookies that I like so much. You know, I hope that my, my Christmas bonus comes early this year. But there's another way to understand hope, and this is where we're really going to lean in today. It's really what the Bible is referring to when it talks about the hope that Jesus brings. And the difference is that it is a, it is a hope when you are traveling through some sort of pain, some sort of difficulty, and there is hardship, and there's darkness, and what you're feeling in that moment, the tension, is you are waiting for a better ending. That's what the Bible talks about when it talks about hope. And understand that it would be like saying, <laughs> it'd be like saying, I hope that our basketball team wins a game this season. That'd be a little bit of hope, right? Um, I hope that our finances improve next year so that we don't have to struggle like we did this year. Or I hope that we can work through some of our issues so that our marriage gets back on the right track. Or maybe like a friend of mine I'm thinking about, I was thinking about just this morning and the last several months, it says, I hope the doctors are able to get all this cancer. I hope the chemo is going to be worth it and I never have to deal with this again. It's the waiting. It's the churning. It's the anticipating a better ending. Jesus was born into a story exactly like this. He was born into a people, the Jewish people, who were the former nation of Israel. And for hundreds and hundreds of years, in their previous history, Israel, what they had done, they, were, they had drifted away from the Lord. They were God's people, and he had done, I mean, just miraculous things throughout their existence. But over the course of time and generations, uh, they, they had just drifted away. You know, they always say that the, the, uh, <clears throat> the message of the gospel is only just a, a generation away from going away. You know, if we, if we don't raise up our children to know the Lord and to honor him, then, then they will turn away from him, which is what had happened with these people. They just drifted and, and uh, <coughs> they, <coughs> they drifted from God and they had had king after king after king and God had given them chance after chance to come back to him and they didn't and it soon became obvious that the nation was going to end, that they were going to be destroyed as a people and scattered and some of their enemies were, uh, were going to take control of their land. They were going to be pushed out of it. 
And right in the middle of that era is when the Christmas story begins because God sent the very first people onto the scene to announce the arrival of hope. They were called the prophets. And they came along, and, and sometimes when people light the candle of hope, they call it the, the prophet's candle uh, because they were announcing that a good ending was going to be possible, that something was coming, that was hope for the Jewish people, for the nation of Israel, not just any old hope, but, but a very specific kind of hope for a future restoration, for a great king, for a, for a period for them of peace and prosperity, and all their hopes were pinned on this person coming. They were waiting for this person to come along and to change everything and to make their lives better. And I want you to hear the words of Isaiah, and as I read it, I want you to think about the better ending that you are waiting for right now. Isaiah chapter 9 says, The people who walk in darkness, they will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. So with the prophets, what they were telling the people is there's a better ending coming. Your, your hope is, it's, it's okay to have hope. It's good to have hope. There's something, a good ending is coming, and it was coming through a Messiah. And up, up to this point, God had practically been silent for 400 years. Hadn't heard anything. No no new revelations, no prophecies, no voice from any prophet. There were generations of people who were born, lived their whole lives, and died without having seen or heard any news from God at all. What do you and I do when God seems silent in the middle of our circumstance, in the middle of our hardship? What do we do? You know, the doubts run rampant. I, I love the quote by Max Lucado. He says that when the warm air of our expectations are met with the icy silence of God, inevitably, clouds of doubt begin to form. And that's the hard part about our faith, isn't it? The, the part, that's the part that we struggle with, is when we approach God for help in trouble, we approach Him for relief from pain, and He could have stopped the whole thing from happening in the first place. So when you find yourself praying to the very God who... who did not seem to come through for you to begin with the way that you wanted to him to, the way that you expected him to, uh, but, he, but he did seem to come through for the person next to you. And Why did he do that for them, but he won't do it for me? Whenever you feel that, or if you have felt that, you're in really good company. Moses did not have the chance to realize his dream of entering into the promised land. This was, this was the thing he wanted more than anything else, was to lead his people into this wonderful place that God had promised to give them, and he didn't get to go in because of one momentary, uh, one moment of weakness and sin. He 
struck the rock out of desperation, and God said, no, now you're not going to be allowed in. Then Moses pleaded with God, and the answer was still no. David begged God to restore the life of his son. Anyone that's ever lost a child knows the pain of that. There's nothing else like it. And David begged and pleaded. David, who's called a man after God's own heart, his prayers were not answered the way that he wanted. The Apostle Paul said, I have been given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan, and three times I've begged the Lord to remove it. And three times God has said, no, my grace is enough for you. Even Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he prayed in the garden. He said, he said, Lord, let this cup, if there's any other way, if there's any other way other than the cross, let this cup pass from me. And yet he had to go all the way to the cross. So you're in great company if you feel like God hasn't answered your prayer exactly the way that you expected him to. What we perceive to be the silence of God is deafening. And in this scenario... Under those circumstances, after 400 years of God's silence and 700 years of pain and waiting and difficulty, an angel of God showed up to a young woman and said, Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. And he will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. That was really unexpected. And yet this was the good ending that they wanted to be possible. This is exactly what we need. This is what you and I need in our lives. The truth is that God would send Jesus down to the earth to come into a place of darkness. To come into... Uh, the difficulty in the middle of, of waiting. Maybe even when we, when we stop believing that a good ending is possible. For some of us, that's where we are. We, we, we've just lost hope. This is the kind of God that we need. Now, this is, this is a place that I've struggled, you know. And a lot of you have a similar story to me. My, my parents are divorced after decades of abuse and unfaithfulness from my father and if that's part of your story at all, you know that that has a huge impact on everybody. You know, it's not isolated, and, and that's just, there's, there's not a lot of traditional family togetherness in my world, uh, and so I've wondered, why does it have to be like that? Where's my better ending? You know, where, where's, my, where's my good story? And we've all had moments where we've felt that when life is pulling you apart and your experience is not matching your expectations. You feel like in your marriage you're drifting apart rather than coming together. You're trying to get things knocked out at work. You're trying to work ahead. And then you get a call from school that says, hey, your kid is sick. You need to come pick him up, which pushes everything back further. And now instead of, instead of working ahead, you're going to you're gonna have to kill yourself to try to just get caught up. So we want a better ending than that. You know, why, why does it feel like we have to keep taking the, the hits? You know, we want a God that will come into that. And sometimes... What we do is instead of looking to God for, for uh, in, in those moments, we look other places for hope. We'll just say, oh man, life is crazy. Life is crazy, but it's all good. It's all good. I hear a lot of people say that. Oh, it's all good. I, this terrible thing has just happened to me, but it's all good. It's all good. We try, to, you know, we try to do like this positive thinking thing. 
And, and no amount of positive thinking is going to change that. No amount of positive thinking is going to be a substitute for hope. We try to cheer ourselves out of a bad situation. But the, the Christmas story says something else entirely. The, the Christmas kind of hope, the hope that arrived with Jesus, it actually says that, no, you, you can't. It says that you, you can't do anything about this. You, you actually don't have any way of getting there on your own. But guess what? I am coming for you. That's what the message of Christmas says to us. You are hopeless, and there's nothing you can do about it. But I'm coming for you. I'm going to come into the darkness. I'm coming into the struggle, into the difficulty with my kind of hope. What, what if we just admitted where we were, and we invited God in? I said, Lord, I'm going to be honest, you feel distant to me. And I know that I can be an emotional creature and, and I feel things that aren't, just because I feel it doesn't mean that it's the truth. But I need you to come into this situation. Because that's the only place we're going to find traction. Uh, it's where we ask God, would you just bring, would you help bring wisdom into my pain? Give me purpose beyond this moment. Help me understand this. Help me to trust when I feel out of control and everything feels like it's, just spiraling around me. Uh, in John Maxwell's first book, he, uh, he wrote an entire chapter on hope. And there was one line that really grabbed my attention. He said that hope <clears throat> dares to give when no one is sharing. Hope gives. It continues to give when no one else believes. Hope gives. When the circumstances are too far gone, hope gives. Even when you've hit rock bottom with no plan for getting out of that, of that position. Hope gives. What, what does it give us? It gives us the motivation and the courage to keep going. Because we're waiting for a better ending. We know that a better ending is coming. That's what Jesus does for us. Hebrews 10.23 challenges us. says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. So here's something that I have learned about God. There's been lots of ups and downs in my journey of faith. But one thing that I have learned is I know if I'm, if I'm going through something, there's something in my life that's not good, then that means that God is not done. Anything that's not good, it means that he's not done. There's something that's still, I'm waiting for a better ending. Good endings are all that he knows to bring about. I mean, that's what he does. He came into our world to bring real hope. And real hope is a possibility of a good ending. That's all that God does. He, he continues to do that. If it isn't good, then God isn't done. It's a curious thing about our faith, about the way God works. And even about, even about Christmas itself, when things don't make sense and they seem random and they seem unfair and, and maybe even unnecessary. We know that God loves us. Uh, and we know that he will be faithful to keep his promise. And that is why we have hope even when we don't have explanations. When it doesn't make sense. There's no way to explain what is happening around us. We have hope even when we don't have explanations because we know the faithfulness of our God. I want to light the, uh, <clears throat> I want to light the candle of hope. I don't know if you know this or not, but uh, 
Advent was not originally uh, a just a celebration of the birth of Jesus. It wasn't. It was, a, it was a celebration of the birth of Jesus and also his coming again, his second coming, his return. If you listen to the Christmas carol, Joy to the World, which I'm sure we're going to sing uh, throughout this season, um, but you, you hear that song, you realize it was written not only for the birth of Christ, it was written for the return of Christ. It's like a carol written for, for the second coming. Joy to the world, let earth receive her king. Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. There's real hope. It always keeps its eyes on the end of the story. Because that's where our good endings are headed. We know that something's coming. There wasn't just a baby born in a manger. It didn't end there. And for a lot of people in our world, that's, that's exactly where it stops. We, we, we celebrate Christmas, and they got little nativity scenes, and we go and we sing Christmas songs and listen to them on the radio. And for a lot of people in our world, that's exactly where it stops. Said, oh, you know, Jesus was born in a manger, silent night, holy night. Oh, that's wonderful. And we leave him right there. But he, he grew, and he lived a miraculous and perfect life. He was crucified on a cross and put in a grave, and he didn't stay there. There was a better ending. He rose back to life, and he wants to resurrect a new life in you today, too. 1 Peter 1.3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this time of the year that we remember and we celebrate Jesus coming into our world. And Lord, I pray that uh, this season we would, we would take time to really celebrate Jesus coming into our lives and what that means and how that's changed us. And Lord, for those that, that have not experienced that, I pray that we would, that you would continue to to call us to you, that you continue to, to draw us near and speak to our hearts, uh, convict us of sin. Uh, Lord, help us to be faithful. We thank you for, for the gift of Christ. We thank you for all that this season means for us. And we pray this in his name. Amen. Well, God bless you guys. Have a great week.